Welcome to the North Sound Church Podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com. Good morning. Good to see you all this morning. Really looking forward to the party next week. What are we eating anyway? Do we even know? Good, good food. All right. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful to be here with you. I'm the get, get to share with you the next two commandments. And, uh, but before we do that, you guys know that we, are, uh, we have quite a wonderful group of folks who join us online. And we're really going global, which is a real word. It means gl- global and local. And, and wanted to um, welcome some friends that you have never seen before, but they're joining us. And I uh, want to thank Dan and Kim Eagle specifically, and there are others who are part of the online uh, family. But uh, it, it's really fun to hear uh, the people who have come around Dan as they share what's happening at North Sound. So I just wanted to give you an idea where some of these folks are from that Dan and Kim have, uh, have become friends with and invited to be part of this family here. So we have uh, John and Deborah, Deborah from uh, Washington, D.C., we have Mary Cullen from South Carolina, and Chris and Lana from Ontario, Canada, Christian from Guatemala, and Maria from Guatemala, Johanna from, from Ecuador, and Dr. Carlos from Ecuador, Pablo from Ecuador, Janina from Ecuador, and you know our own uh, keyboard player here, Jeff? He, he was a missionary kid in Ecuador, so we need to get you guys hooked up together. Mitzi, I'm not sure if you're here today, Mitzi, but from Peru originally, and, but lives locally now in Shoreline. Susanna from Peru, and again, and their Dan's sister, Mary Ellen, who's from Shoreline. And so we just wanted to welcome you guys, uh, be part of the congregation here. It's a lot of fun. So uh, we say hi to you all. And they have prayer needs too, and we're going to share those prayer needs on Wednesday morning with the group that gathers and pray for them throughout the week. Well, it's great to see you this morning. And um, before we get going here, I want to, um, I was going to bring an illustration with me. So late last night, as I'm getting ready, I said to Donita, Donita, do you think it would be okay if I went to the store on the way here and brought some beer? And she's like, no, no. Well, you got to understand, we come from a background of kind of Pentecostal, uh, which is a holiness group, and you just, you didn't even I remember in, in Vancouver, Canada, where we used to live, we were walking along the streets, and I kind of looked in to see what those beeps and buzzes were coming from the pool hall, and my grandma was walking next to me, and she says, don't even think about it. You know, that is the den of whatever, right? And so I was going to bring something here, so just imagine with me uh, some beer. And you may be seeing, well, what does beer have to do with this morning? Well, we're going to be talking about the Ten Commandments. Now, there's no commandment that says thou shalt not drink beer, is there? But what does beer and the Ten Commandments have in common with each other? Well, before we get there, we're going to do a contest. Now, the earlier group that had met, I asked them the question, how many beers do you think you can name? They came up with quite a list. I thought, well, maybe the second group would be able to uh, beat them. But let's see if you can beat them. So give me some. And and Bruce, you and I could probably come up with, or you could help me come up with a big list. uh, Just just yourself, I know. But um, 
What are some of them? What do you got? Now in Canada, okay, it's coming. All I knew was Labatt's and Molson Canadian because of hockey. And that's the commercials that came up from hockey, all right? Okay, what do you got? Pardon me? Guinness, Guinness okay. Come on. Pilsner. Heineken. Rainier. Rainier. Red Hook, Coors. We're getting there. You guys are doing well. Come on. PDR. PBR. All right. You, okay, you guys know what you're talking about. Miller. Welcome to Miller time. Olympia. Strobes. Sleds. Pyramid. Come on. You got some too, don't you? Milwaukee. Yeah. Midwest. You guys are doing good. The Blue Moon. I think it's about time. The earlier group got 15. And I think you guys are about 50. I've been taking notes on who's been giving names. And uh, there's going to be an altar call after the service this week. That's awesome. Okay, we will have an altar call and uh, a recovery group after this uh, session. Well, I want to tell you how I use the Ten Commandments in beer to lead three young men to Jesus. So when Donita and I were newly married, I was leading this discipleship group of young people who wanted to give a year to, to learn more about God, learn how to share their faith and, and grow in Christ. And we were on a road trip uh, together with this group of, of individuals. And on, on the road trip, we still had about 10 hours to go, and we stopped at this one place to fill up our van with gas. And looking across the parking lot on the other side of the gas station, there were uh, three young men at a bus stop. So I turned around to the group and said, all right, guys, there's three uh, young men. I think we need to talk to them. Who's with me? And one young man said, I'll go. So we stepped out of the van and we prayed together. And Oh, God, give us courage as we, uh, we share you with these individuals. So we went over there and we started talking to them about just life and where they're from and what they're doing. And then I asked them this very same question that I asked you. Hey, just before we go, I have a question for you. Just for fun, how many beers can you name? And they loved it. They started naming them all off like this. And, and man, that's a great list. Okay, another question for you. How many Ten Commandments do you know? And they're like, well, let me think here. Thou shalt not kill. Yeah, that's one of them. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not lie. I think that's about all we could come. Well, that's pretty good. You, you think you've kept them all? Oh, yeah, we've kept them all. Okay, so a question for you. Pray that nothing would ever happen to you, but for some chance, an unexpected and unfortunate circumstance, something happened to you today, and you didn't make it. Maybe you got hit by the bus coming down the road, and, and you were at the great pearly gates, and you were standing there, and, and St. Peter is there to say hello to you. Do you think he's going to let you in? Oh, yeah, he'll let us in. All right, well, you think you're good enough? Yeah, we're good enough. Well, have you ever lied before? Uh, yeah, I've lied. You ever stolen something before? No, I haven't stolen. Wait a minute. You just told me you lied. So you're a li- Yeah, okay, we've stolen something before. 
Have you ever looked at uh, a woman with lustful thoughts? You know, Jesus says that's committing adultery in your heart. Oh, yeah, I'm guilty of that one, too. I'm like, hey, guys, you've, in the last 30 seconds, you've already broken three of the ten. We haven't gone into the other seven yet. You really think you're good enough to get into heaven? No. But I think Jesus would let me in because he's good. He's gracious. I said, yeah. Well, this is what the Bible says, guys. You're in trouble. We are all in trouble. Everybody has sinned. We fall way short of God's standard. And guess what? also says the consequences of sin is death. We're not going to make it on our own. But there's good news. Even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says we will be saved. Would you three guys like to know right now that if something happened to you, you could stand before God free? Yeah. And all three of them asked Jesus to become Lord and Savior of their life. In like a 10-minute conversation. I couldn't believe it. I walked back with my, my friend and said, it still works. The Holy Spirit still uses the law. And that's what it says in Galatians. The law is a schoolmaster to bring us to repentance. And we watch the conviction of the heart by the Holy Spirit and intentional conversation bring these young men into a relationship with him. See, Jesus didn't do away with the law. We still have these as a foundation of our society. I mean, if we didn't have this, there'd be total chaos, wouldn't there? And reflecting with you on the Ten Commandments on, that God established initially with his people, thousands of them coming from the exodus from Egypt and now standing at the bottom of Mount Sinai. He gave them the set of boundaries, and you can read the law or the Torah and discover that how these help the people live in harmony and in unity with each other, but with God. And God's blessing was upon them. How many of you have ever, ever been on a road trip before? Yeah? And you're with people in the car for a long period of time, and your nerves get a little frazzled a little bit. Well, these people were, were living next to each other, camping for 40 years. So you understand how important it was to, to help them live in unity with each other. They were probably tripping over each other's tent pegs, right? They noticed that other person's wife, maybe, you know, et cetera. And, and so God brought these laws that brought some unity to the people. So by Jesus' time, there was about 613 laws that were known and enforced, practically impossible to keep. So the temple was quite busy with people coming constantly with their sin offerings. And it's in this context that a, a young man who had some money comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Here's a picture of that, that you can use your imagination of what the conversation might have been like. And Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. 
Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. What's interesting is that the first four commandments that we just talked about, those all point to relationship with God, and the next uh, six point to relationship with each other. So it's no wonder when Jesus summed them all up, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, or love your neighbor as yourself. And you can see them in those Ten Commandments. And this young man looks to Jesus, and he said, I've kept all of these from my youth. And when Jesus heard this in the book of Mark, it actually says Jesus looked at him and he loved him. His heart really went out to him because this young man was really trying. And this young man said, Jesus says to him, one thing you still lack, sell everything you have and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. And this young man was very sad. And he walked away for you. He was extremely rich, but he was really trying. But what Jesus was trying to point out was that Jesus was looking for his heart, not his GPA on keeping these laws. This morning, we're going to take a look at the next two commandments in our series. And the first one starts with family. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This commandment, is so important, and it's one of the only commandments in the entire Bible that gives a reason for obeying it, that your days may be long in the land the Lord is giving you. Why do you think this is? I have a picture for you. What do you think this picture might be here coming up? Anyone know what that might be? Okay. The first uh, service, someone said, it looks like the galaxies if you're looking through a telescope. And, and that's true. You can look into the expanse of the universe and see some amazing things. How great is our God, we sang. But if we turn that around and we turn it into a microscope or we pick that up, you can go further and further and smaller and smaller. And using an electron microscope like the scientists at Cornell University did last year, this is a picture of a crystal that was magnified 100 million times, and this is a picture of atoms. Now, they're blurry because they're still moving. It's hard to get a picture of that. But like atoms are the building blocks of everything that we see and we touch. Families are the building blocks of our society. And without families, our societies will become unraveled. If we built a society where children uh, honor their parents, society is going to live well. But the opposite is also true. A society in which children do not honor their parents is doomed to destruction. We know that the family is certainly under attack In our society, marriage has been redefined. Schools are taking over the role of injecting their moral values into the hearts and minds of our children. They're usurping the role of parents. Don't even know what's going on with their own kids. Then on the other hand, there's times when parents make it hard for their children to honor their parents. There's abuse in the home. There's divorce. There's statistics that paints a pretty good, a grim picture. 
And what's interesting, and you may have grown up in a family like that. What's interesting about this commandment is that we are not commanded to love our parents. It says in different passages, love your neighbor, love God, and even love the foreigner who comes in. But in this commandment, it says to honor them. Your honor, you might hear if you walk into a courtroom. Some individual with training and expertise puts on a robe, comes in from the back room, and the bailiff stands and says, all rise, and everyone in the courtroom rises. The lawyers address your honor with a title of respect. Whether that individual is worthy of it or not, they may be a very honorable individual. However, he could be an absolutely terrible person behind the scenes. We don't know that. But still, in his or her court, we demonstrate that practice of saying, your honor, because we are showing respect for that position. Around the dinner table last night, I asked my boys, I said, guys, what do you think it means to honor your parents? And as young people growing up in the home, you probably would say the same thing. Do what you're told to do. Clean your room. You know, uh, don't talk back, um, et cetera, things like that. But for the most part, we're not children living in our home. And I wonder with you what some of those things might be to honor your parents. What are ways that we can honor our parents? What do you think? What are some ways? Yes. Okay, and hopefully they're great values that we could carry forward, obviously, yes. What else? You get, pardon me? Time. Spending time with them, yes. You guys did great on the beer list. <laughs> Taking care of them as they age, very good. Telling the stories about them even after they're gone. Yeah, those are great. Expressing gratitude. Parents invest time and effort into raising their kids. They provided shelter and food and clothing for you. For every action they do is to support that child in itself. That's a reason for appreciation. Mom and dad, thank you for what you did. Spending time with each other. We just talked about that. You know how many lonely people there are in Edmonds? And no one comes to visit them? It really is a sickness, and they say it's as bad as some other diseases for the health of an individual when they are lonely. But spending time acknowledges their existence and places levels of importance on the relationship. If you're not physically able to uh, visit them, then what can you do? You can call them. I remember in college when uh, I went a little bit too long to call home. And I call home and I remember dad picked up the phone and he says, don't you ever do that again. Well, this was the day when you had to use calling cards and you didn't have, didn't have much money and and, uh, and so it was probably a good month before I had called home. I'd left from Canada, come down to the States. And Dad says, don't you ever 
take that long to call. I learned later that he had done that, unfortunately, to his own parents, his own mom, and realized the hurt that that had caused him. So that was helpful for me. And, and I try not to go a week without calling home, not out of obligation, but out of relationship. And mom, if you're watching now, I think I do better than my two brothers, don't I? We can, uh, Mark Twain once said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I couldn't stand to have the old man around. But when I turned 21, I was astonished of, of how much that old man learned in seven years. There's value in relationship. We can serve them and find ways to serve their wants and needs. Much like parents perform on behalf of their children. In the 1800s, there was a collection of children's stories that were put together. And Pastor Barry actually pulled one out last week. He pulled out the one, the uh, goose that laid the golden egg. Remember that? The series was called Brothers Grimm or the fairy tales of Brothers Grimm. And in that, you can find a whole bunch of different ones like Hansel and Gretel, Snow White, Little Red Riding Hood, Sleeping Beauty, Tom Thumb, Rapunzel, and Rumpelstiltskin. But there's another one in there, and it's called The Old Man and the Grandson. And I'm going to read it to you, okay? It says this. There once was a very old man whose eyes had become dim, his ears dull of hearing, his knees trembled. And when he sat at the table, he could hardly hold the spoon, and he spilt the broth upon the tablecloth, or some of it ran out of his mouth and dribbled down. His son and his son's wife that he was staying with, were disgusted at this. And so the, the old grandfather, at last he had to sit in the corner behind the stove, and they gave him his food in an earthenware bowl, not even enough in it. And he used to look towards the table with tears in his eyes. Once, too, his trembling hands could, could not hold that bowl, and it fell to the ground and broke. The young Wife scolded him, but he said nothing and only sighed. Then they had brought him a wooden bowl for a few halfpence out of which he had to eat. They were once sitting like this when the little grandson of four years old began to gather together some bits of wood upon the ground. What are you doing? the young father asked. I'm making a little trough, answered the child. For you and mom to eat when I'm big. The man and wife looked at each other for a while and then they began to realize what they had done and began to weep. And they took that old grandfather to the table and from then on always let him eat with them. And likewise said nothing if he did spill a little of anything. And of course the moral of that story is if your children see you honor your parents... No matter how difficult it may be sometimes, the chances are far greater they will honor you. Another thing we could do is pray for them. But what if it's too late? What if your parents aren't around anymore? What if they didn't deserve honor? I know that some of us had had awful parents. Some of your parents were brutal, abusive, 
harsh. My dad's father was such a man. I remember going on a family vacation over to Saskatchewan, and we were there just a few days, and my grandfather had quite a problem with his language. He was verbally abusive, and dad packed up us young kids in our family, mom, and we turned around, and he says, I'm not going to put my kids in this. And for, for years, that's what he said. He says, I'm not going to be like my dad. And maybe some of you have said that, I'm not going to be like dad. My dad wasn't perfect, but he certainly tried and broke that generational curse of that harsh language in our family. Maybe some of your parents were controlling or manipulating. Maybe they were addicts or just weren't there and abandoned you. As we talk about this passage, honor your father and mother, it may stir up some emotions inside of you that you've tried to keep away, and you can't even find the resolve to honor your parents, even though they're not here. But by God's grace tonight, I pray that you would be released from that. I was sharing this with a friend this week, and as we were talking, he goes, Rob, and I have a story. This happened to me, and when he shared it to me, I said, would you please write this down so I could share it with the congregation And he did, and this is what he wrote. He said, a few years ago, I was grieving my mother's passing. She was 91 when she died. Many years before, when I was a young man, my father had died. And I had regrets at that time of not being able to ask his forgiveness for so many things I never said, or how I know how I had dishonored him. Now, some 21 years later, my mother had passed away, and I recalled once again so many things I wish I said or did, including asking forgiveness for specific events. He wrote, in consulting with Pastor Barry, he recommended that I either go to the grave site or sit in a quiet place, release this, and ask for forgiveness for what took place or what was left undone. So I followed through and I visited my parents' grave and in standing there before their grave marker, I asked out for their forgiveness out loud. That one act continues to this day to give me such freedom and joy knowing that my parents not only forgave me, but in their joy of eternity in Christ have complete peace with everything past, present, and future. Perhaps that is something that you may need to do Come before God, come to a place where you can look back and have a release. Or perhaps you need reconciliation with your own adult kids and need healing in your home. And we can pray that for you today, that God would give you the healing and help you need to be the instrument of peace in your own family. The next commandment, The sixth commandment is, thou shalt not kill, right? Thou shalt not kill. If we took time this morning, we would learn that when this was done back in the 1610s, when the King James Version, there was a couple of words that were synonymous, just like we have murder and kill, and they were used 
in translation of that word in Hebrew, but the truth is every other version since that time uses thou shalt not murder because there's a big difference between murder and kill, isn't it? If I had to kill a mosquito that landed on me, I wouldn't say I murdered that mosquito. I killed that mosquito. Do any of us have a problem with murder in this room? All right, well, let's pray and go home. That's an easy one. But I think there's a little more to this. God said do not murder because murder, by definition, is the unlawful premeditated killing of one human being by another. It's not an accident. There are plenty of laws in the Old Testament that if there was an accident, then there was a way out for you, okay? If you accidentally killed someone, you could run to a city of refuge, and as long as you lived inside that city of refuge and didn't come out, you were safe. If you tried to leave, then you were putting yourself at risk. We also have laws about killing in self-defense. We don't say murdering in self-defense and you're free to go. No, you killed in self-defense, which can protect that person from prosecution. But murder is different. It's willful. It's premeditated. Even, even negligence puts the killing of another person in a whole new category, doesn't it? If you drive while under the influence of alcohol and you kill someone, there's a higher penalty for that. Or if you built a building and it fell down and killed 100 people, negligence holds you responsible for that. But murder is different. God said, do not murder, because murder is the worst thing that we can commit. When we take a look at that list coming up, the next four commandments are, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not give false testimony and coveting. And those are all serious as well, and we'll talk about them coming up. But murder leads that list. Deliberately taking the life of an innocent person is one of the most horrible things that we can do. Murder last year in the United States in 2021 was at an all, almost an all-time high, at least for 25 years. 19,600 people were killed nationwide by murder. Of course, abortion. 63 million babies in America alone since 1973. It's about a million a year. And we could go on and on to talk about how our society has disregarded this commandment. But as with other commands, Jesus directly expands upon this in the Sermon of the Mount. And you can see it here. He says, you have heard that it was said of old, you shall not murder. murder. But I say to you, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that anyone who is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. Does that apply to anybody here? I think every hand should be up. We've all been angry. Sure, we haven't shot or stabbed someone. However, we're not off the hook with these words. God wants to work in our hearts so much that His Holy Spirit has control even with our tongues, our thoughts, and our affections. The Bible says that hate is the attitude of murder. Look at this verse, 1 John three fifteen. It says, whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that. No murderers has eternal life abiding in him. That's 1 John 3, 15. 
Murder is more than just an act of the flesh. It really is an attitude of the heart. So as we conclude, I have some application questions for you. For you to ask yourself, have you ever murdered anyone by your words? Have you ever said, I hate you? Have you ever allowed your actions or words to be filled with anger and hatred towards a relative or a neighbor or acquaintance? Or is there a seed in your heart that's beginning to grow in that way? We need to release that. Have we ever arrogantly shown contempt for others on the freeway or in the store or at the gas station or at work? We need to lay that down. Have we ever struggled to love someone who isn't loving us back? And now we have resentment growing in our hearts. How about this? Have we entered into this church and enjoyed this wonderful music when we know very well that there's something that we have against somebody else? Jesus says, if that's the case, you better put that gift right there on the altar and go and make it right, then come back. And offer your gift. And then finally, have we brought these things that we've been carrying on before Jesus, who's the only one who could wipe that slate clean and give us a brand new heart? Because he's the one that brings life and new creation into us. Moving forward, all we need to do is practice God's plan for unconditional love and absolute forgiveness of others. Paul said it this way in Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another. Forgive each other just as Christ forgave you. As we close this morning, and we could invite the worship team to come on up, we've all been guilty of breaking both of these commandments. And before you leave this morning, you may need some prayer for healing from being hurt, for courage to ask for forgiveness for someone else. And it could be that we just need to let some things go. We've talked about honoring your parents, and the application for that is what can you do this week to honor your parents? might be like that letter that was written. You just need to deal with your past and bring your sadness and pain to God and allow healing to happen. For all of us, let's allow the love of God to so infuse and flow through us that it's going to impact ourselves, our families, and our community. As we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. These laws given so long ago are just as applicable now in real time, and, and Jesus really brought that to our attention. And Father, we are all guilty of breaking these commandments, but we thank you by your Holy Spirit that we can live in freedom from maybe a family situation, how we grew up. We can give that to you and, and have you bring restoration. And we pour, For families who are going through issues right now, their adult children aren't speaking to them, they're keeping grandkids away from them. Lord, we pray for healing in families. Father, if, if we've been harboring uh, hatred in our heart towards someone else, that we would be free and release that and walk in the...
the healing and freedom that you've given.